Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. This is another podcast of World Wide Wave, the international LGBT news and current affairs show, every week on Australia's first LGBT radio station, Joy 94.9. Surfing the globe, bringing you news, views, and current affairs for the LGBT community. This is the World Wide Wave. Hi, it's World Wide Wave time. Joy's international news and current affairs show for and by the LGBTI community. We love taking you around the globe one queer story at a time. Uh, I'm Matt, and I'm joined in the Victorian Pride Centre tonight by Alex. Good evening. It's International Women's Day. Time to celebrate the driven women in our community and also a chance to agitate for change. This year's theme is Changing Climates, Equality Today for a Sustainable Tomorrow, a theme that recognises the contribution of women and girls around the world who are working to change the climate of gender equality and build a sustainable future. Here on World Wide Wave, we have been privileged to speak with some powerful change-making women over the years. And tonight, we celebrate them and inspire you. You'll hear from New York Times best-selling author and essayist Lauren Ho, who has gone through more trauma than any single person should, but has come out stronger on the other side. And Samoan Fafafina trailblazer Amao Liaotalu, who works to advocate LGBTIQ rights across the Pacific. And New Zealand Olympian and world champion rower Emma Twig, who is mentoring LGBTIQ sports people. Here's a taste of what's coming up tonight. Someone torched my car. I was getting death threats for a while. And then my car went boom in the middle of the night. And instead of anyone, the local police or the Air Force, trying to figure out what happened, who did it, you know, was I even safe there? They started investigating me. And uh, it didn't matter what happened from that point on. Once I was identified as a problem queer on base who might not make the Air Force look good, my career was over. We would love you to be part of the show tonight. Tonight, uh, now, we do recognise that it's two blokes presenting on International Ah. Women's Day. Unfortunately, Shannon couldn't be with us tonight, so uh, best wishes, Shannon. What we would like to hear from you, though, is who are the women that inspire you in your life? They might be somebody close to you, might be a friend, might be a, a business mentor, it might be somebody on the international stage. We're certainly going to give you a dose of inspiration tonight from our guests. And Lauren Ho grew up in an infamous uh, US American cult called the Children of God. After being indoctrinated into what they called the family, it wasn't until Lauren left the cult that she realised that she could have her own life on her terms. 
Her life has taken her to the underbelly of America where she experienced homelessness, drugs, um, solitary confinement and dating women. She lived through America's infamous don't ask, don't tell rule in the Air Force which ended her career in the military after she got threats and a car bomb destroying her car in incidents that she was then investigated for. Uh, but this experience did give her the chance to step away and think about who she really was. As the victim who became the hunted, we asked Lauren how this experience and this trauma affected her. I think it, it shattered my worldview. A lot of what happened in the military shattered my worldview. And none of it's that abnormal. Um, a lot of women who join are sexually assaulted. So I was sexually assaulted in the Air Force and then... My car getting torched in the investigation, it's, you know, if we go back to the title of the book, I had come to believe that, or I had, you know, deluded myself into believing that America would be the safe place, that once I got out of the cult, once I was free, my life would be different, and uh, my problems would be left behind in the cult, and, you know, they weren't, they kept compounding I became a lot less trustful, I think, of just the world in general. And in some ways, maybe that was good. I bought into, I bought into patriotism. I bought into, you know, American exceptionalism. I bought into all of it, trying to be normal and trying to be like everyone else and blend in. Because at least this was an identity I could have. I, it was easy. I didn't have to pick out my clothes. I put on a uniform every morning and I was wearing the right thing talk military speak, you're speaking the right language. And I could do that. It was easy to fake. And I hadn't really thought about any of it. Um, I was able to just, you know, go to work every day and not think about, not make any choices about my life. That for once you felt you belonged to something. Yeah, I, I didn't. I knew I was different, but I could, I could skate by. Yeah, I, I, and it doesn't take very long in the Air Force to see how Don't Ask, Not Tell will affect you. Um, there are investigations in every, you know, from basic training on. There were rumors about people and people were kicked out all around me. It, it happened. I saw it happen. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was easy. It was easy to fit in still and hide and speak the language. And I didn't have to figure out who I was. And would you... So now the military has evolved a little bit, hopefully. Uh, would you join now, knowing what happened to you at the time? Would you give it another go? God, no, absolutely not. I used to think about that for a long time when they were when they started talking about lifting down Aston Tell, and I was still young and dumb enough where I might have wanted to join um, and, and broke enough. Um, give psychologists a second try. But uh, no, I... I look at children now serving in the military and they are children and I'm not going to salute a child <laughs> and be told what to do. No, <laughs> absolutely not. And I think that, I mean, in, in your book, you talk about your spending your childhood in, in the cult. How does that affect your sexual identity? Oh, yeah, it's, it's hard to say how it, how it may not have affected me because that's the only childhood I know. But I think it did. I was talking to my sister about this yesterday. 
that uh, she's she's still a Christian and able to hold on to religion, and it gives her a lot of comfort in her life. But it also, you know, still affects her with the shame and everything that can come from religion. And uh, I was able to quickly leave religion because I was never taught that God loved me. You know, God loved everyone, kind of except me, because I knew I was there was something wrong with me that I was I was gay. I was set apart for it at a very early age. And I think in some ways it made it easier afterwards. Not many queer people I know have these, you know, candy canes on the tree and their cool bicycle they wanted for Christmas stories of their childhood. We just don't have them. Um, or if we do, they're always tinged with some sort of horrifying trauma um, that we tend to laugh about and we can laugh about to each other. But that's the thing. If I tell stories of my childhood to another queer person, they're like, you know what? I could beat that. And they can. They absolutely can. You can't be too precious about your trauma when you work at a gay bar, listen to other kids' stories. I've seen a video of you where you talked about code switching, and I'm just quite interested to to hear a little bit more about that and what um what do you mean by code switching and how does that affect you? I, mean, I think we all do it. I mean, queer people definitely do it. When I'm talking to another gay person, our our mannerisms will, will be a little bit more gay. Where shoulders relax, we can be comfortable in who we are for a moment. It's the beauty of gay bars and kind of the tragedy of why we're losing all of them. Um, and we do it, but yeah, when we're around our family, when we're around a cop, when we're around anyone, we will mimic their mannerisms and kind of put a little bit we add a few layers to who we are to bury it um and we do it to get along we do it to make people more comfortable around us it's a natural phenomenon i mean the talk i gave is really the only people who don't have to do it are straight white guys and lauren you so you've had uh, many experiences through life if um if you were able to to say something to your younger self about what to do in the future or about, you know, what would you say to yourself now that you've gone through all this? Uh, I mean, I might have warned myself about a couple of people, but um, <laughs> a couple of decisions there. But uh, I don't know. I think I, if I have a regret, it's that I wasted, I think, so much time trying to be normal and trying to fit in. And I was just in the wrong room. I call it a midlife crisis if you want. But I had a, about five years ago, I sold my house and moved into Winnebago and just drove around until I figured out where I needed to be and how to be a writer. And wrote furiously and got published. But uh, I think we wasted a whole lot of time trying to fit in. And, you know, those, those stories you tell about your life, if you can't be you without people being a jerk to you, can you swear on Australian radio? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> fuck yes. Oh, it's been really hard to talk. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you if you can't be it yourself without people being assholes to you about it, you're around the wrong people. And it took me so long to learn that. I'm not very bright, I guess. But 
it took a minute. Um, and now, yeah, I can be fully myself and I can be exactly who I am. And if, if you don't like it, I'm, you're not my audience, which is fine. Famed US author Lauren Ho, one of our female trailblazers we are celebrating as a part of International Women's Day tonight on Joy 94.9. I love the simplicity that she is able to put there. You know, um, she was wasting time trying to fit in, but she was just in the wrong room. In other words, there's people out there who will absolutely love you, adore you, embrace you, but they might be in the room next door and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, the, and the way she's so candid about, you know, sometimes you just got to, you know, just got to push your own, not worry so much about um, following certain behavioural... Norms, norms and, and yeah. protocols, a little bit like um, <clears throat> we see with uh, Grace Tame here in Australia, you know. How, Absolutely. You know, oh, she wasn't, she wasn't being courteous or polite but you know she didn't smile but she was authentic in her action again those questions about whether that's a judgment a prejudice we impose on women rather than on men uh so well coming up we've got lots more on our international women's day special we are a little bit closer to home with the leading women of the pacific this is worldwide wave joy out loud proud Hi, my name is Hope Matumbo from the Multicultural Health and Support Service and you're listening to the World Wide Wave. Who are the women that inspire you in your life? They might be someone close to home like your mum or auntie or, or it might be somebody on the world stage. Now, you mentioned a couple there before, um, Alex, uh, Grace Tame and, and Brittany Higgins who, you know, certainly in the last 12 months, we probably didn't know their names two years ago and now everybody knows who they are and what they stand for um Jacinta Ardern I've just got to throw her in to that mix as well I think yes. she's just such done uh, every time I see her speak and maybe we're only getting little bits here in Australia compared to New Zealand but she just has a compassion yeah that is not present in other parts of politics that I see yeah pose and compassion um you know it's just that ability to yeah, to touch in and, in a way, to uh, identify with the communities she's speaking to or the issues she's speaking about, yeah. And I'm going to throw in one other one to just to inspire people's thoughts. One close to us here, Jude Munro, who was the chair of the Victorian Pride Centre, who really uh, did a tremendous job to provide this amazing you know, with a team of people to guide them on the whole journey to create this amazing facility, which is going to be here for decades to come for the whole community. So that is some legacy, and she did a great job. So another inspiring woman. Now it is International Women's Day, and the journey to embracing her identity as a Fafafine began for Amal Liotalu in Sydney, where they first came out as a young gay man and realised that there weren't any brown drag queens or gay men. Upon returning to her, her hometown of Auckland in her 20s, Amal discovered a much more culturally diverse queer community while coming to terms with her gender identity as a woman. It was here that Amau also strengthened her cultural identity as a Pacific Islander. Amau is now a fierce advocate for acceptance and rights of the rainbow community across the Pacific. 
A mouse started by explaining for us the term fafafine. Fafafine is, it's a layered term. So I identify in a, in, in a Western term as trans, uh, but fafafine doesn't adequate to uh, a trans individual or trans female. So it's a layered term because we don't have LGBTIQ as our Westerners. So fafafine is a layered term, but it's more, it tends to associate with someone that was male, born male at birth, identify as trans femme or female. And so that for us is our term, or it could actually uh, best uh, have uh, gay males in that term as well. So we don't have a term that's, uh, we don't have various different terms like LGBTIQ. So fafafine is a term that we have for someone like myself or um, best describe someone like myself. Or we also have the term fatama, which is the equivalent of someone that may have been female at birth, describes himself as lesbian, uh, trans male. So, um, Westerners will probably think there's an inadequacies about that, but as a as a Samoan, we we tend to be okay with those terms. Those terms are layered. Um, those it, it's a pretty much a third gender, isn't it? It's like a, yeah, 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 um, third gender. Um, but where uh, where it's challenging for us is those that are born in say Australia, where they have to come up with the diff- the ter- different have to fit into a box. Yeah, fit into the box. But for us it's kind of quite fluid. So and we're okay with that as as Samoans. Yeah. Amal, let's talk a little bit about you if we can. What's your story? When did you sort of um start to feel a bit different to everybody else and and how did that change your life? I think uh for myself, it was just like as a young child, feeling a bit different and then learning to express myself as uh, a shy teenager but hitting the clubs of the cross at, at a young age and then kind of realising there's more of a layer to myself. So, um, yeah, just, you know, getting into my 20s and realizing there's a different layer to Amal and she's going to go this way. And so I think it's it's been there through just, through, you know, knowingly as a young child, but, you know, this freedom to be able to express myself later in years and, and then evolve as Amal did later on in life. And so... Um, being a you know seeing the challenges that I've had as a trans woman and a trans woman of color, um, you know has has been met with its highs and lows, but have been been able to navigate I guess my own path and had a really good support uh, from my family, uh, but also from my loved ones friends as well. I read actually that you didn't. You've never actually come out to your family yeah. as as oh, you yeah. know. Or, 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 the why, way why is that? The way I best describe it is, 
um, in you know, from from a Samoan cultural term, my culture we don't have a ter- we don't have a coming out, you know. So my coming out that I best describe to people is I came out of my mum's stomach. That's my coming out. <laughs> but the way I I see my coming out is just the way it evolved. Um, and that's a, for me, that's a more culturally and affirming way of looking at the way that Amal has come about um, from a from a Samoan lens that you evolve and you just you just blend in just how you are. And so we've never felt the need. Like I felt that it's always been, you know, that I had to have a like a major thing of I'm here. But, you know, my loved one's, realize oh we love you regardless so that for me is you know just affirming and I'm okay with that you know it's uh, been one of the most beautiful things in terms of finding myself and finding out you know you know who I am is the fact that I've still got my family and the same friends that I've had since you know making this this decision to you know to be a Mao or to transition to be a Mao um We've talked a bit about kind of what it was like, like where you're from and like in your community and that sort of thing. And that's been amazing. Did you come up against like discrimination more when you came to Australia then? Well, I migrated quite a while ago. I, I think for me it's, yeah, it more so in the Western, you know, like when I've gone for things such as work, when I've, you know, like um, accommodation, you know, when I've gone for rental places and just, just you know, like the the questions that you can consider quite discriminative, in terms of you know you actually you know you've actually said that to you know someone, but you know it's an ongoing thing with tra- it seems to be an ongoing with thing with trans people or non-binary people is that we face a constant day-to-day discrimination and. You know, laws say they do this and that, but, you know, still a lot of my own trans sisters uh, and brothers still face a lot of discrimination in workplace, not, you know, not just in, um, you know, not not just going for housing, but, you know, um, things like employment. And those are, those are huge things. And those are things that, for me as an advocate, as an activist, are worth fighting for because... You know, we need for people to see. We need for people to see that this is a community that faces a lot of discrimination, and so we need to continue to keep fighting and affirming the rights of trans individuals and non-binary individuals, and you know, um, to the table that we're able to come to the, and express ourselves freely, uh, be able to access things um, with you know without the prejudices or the discrimination that we, uh, a lot of our um, community face. That's Pacific LGBTI champion Amal Liotalu, another female changemaker that we are celebrating tonight as a part of International Women's Day on Joy 94.9. Coming up, we've, we head across the ditch to New Zealand to speak with a world champion. This is World Wide Wave. Our diverse communities have one home, joy. Hi, this is Tara from the Fiji Women's Rights Movement on the World Wide Wave.
It's Worldwide Wave, the show that takes you around the globe one queer story at a time. Special hello to everybody listening on podcast. You can subscribe to receive our podcasts automatically. Either go to joy.org.au slash worldwidewave or iTunes or your favourite podcast platform. And don't forget to leave us a review. While we're here this weekend, Chill Out Festival up at Dalesford. There'll be a whole lot of people heading up there uh, for sure. It is the biggest country pride event, regional event. And the weather's Uh, looking really good, apparently. Looking fantastic. And you know what? Joy will be there as well. We'll be there at Carnival. Of course. So if you can't get there yourself, listen in on Sunday to Joy to hear all the antics up at uh, Chill Out. If you can get there, make sure you drop in and say hello. We'd love to hear from you. Joy, 94.9. When commentators talk of sporting comebacks, it is rarely about sexuality, but New Zealand Olympian and world champion rower Emma Twigg has done just that. After retiring from international rowing in 2015 and enjoying a somewhat quieter life with her wife, Emma decided in 2019 to not just return to competition but to specifically support other athletes who may be struggling with the their sexuality in sport she wanted to be positive or she wanted to be sorry a positive role model for change here emma explains her coming out experience to the rowing community um, yeah, cool. So I, um, I'm a rower uh, from New Zealand. Um, I have competed in the women's single skull for the last three Olympic Games and hoping for another one um, next year sometime, fingers crossed. Um, I have been a junior under 23 and senior world champion in the single skull um, and have been a, a multiple um, medalist um, over the last few years as well and silver and bronzes here and there. So, yeah, that's pretty much my sporting career in a nutshell. Now, you came out uh, a few years ago now, Emma? Um, I've always been out with amongst, I guess, um, friends and family and within the rowing community. So um, I I came out to my um, parents and and friends and family when I was about 23. Um, So we're talking, I'm 33 now, so it's been been quite a while. Um, I guess I haven't been as probably vocal um, in, you know, in terms of... um, media and publicity um until recently really so yeah so when um when you came out so is it 10 years ago so you were out in a rowing community did that did you perceive that that changed anything to to the way your career went or it was just Um, business as usual no to be honest i've always um i've always kind of taken the approach that that i wanted to be a really top class rower and that my sexuality really didn't really have anything to do with that um, and so that's kind of been my approach and I guess it's also been my approach in terms of it being a really publicised thing as well because I wanted people to know me as um, Emma the rower and the, the world champion um, and then if they were to find out that I was um, that I was gay that that wouldn't you know that wouldn't, wouldn't impact what I'd done and it certainly would um, create a platform for me and to be a role model and to, to show others out there that actually, I don't like using the word normal, but um, that that was, you know, I was a, a regular, every kind of day, um, high-performing athlete. So, yeah, that's that's the approach that I've kind of taken throughout my career. So is um, is rowing a little bit different to other sports, you think, in terms of the way um, a, a coming out is handled? Or I, I think we generally 
I've certainly never come across any kind of discrimination. Um, at Rowing New Zealand, everyone is great. I think I'm also very lucky to, to live in New Zealand where, um, you know, we've um, had equal rights for a per- quite a long time now. And I just, again, my approach has been, this is me, this is who I am, and this is, is normal. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's a hard one. I, I can speak from my experience and for me, it's been I've been surrounded by people who are loving and and um, have never really had an issue. But I know that's not the case for everyone. Um, and I know even for for me in the early days, it, it definitely took some time to 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 kind of accept who I was and be be confident and comfortable in sharing that with the people around me. Was the situation in New Zealand when you first started um, playing was it different? to what it is now for LGBT people? Um, at the time, there was no one else. I, I, I knew of maybe one other um, gay rower, and I guess that's probably where my reservations came with the kind of the stigma around um, those people. Um, and since then, there's another um, well-known rower who's also the, well, last year was the men's single scholar, Robbie Manson. Um, and he was very vocal from the early days um, in terms of his sexuality and, and um, kind of being a bit of a pin-up boy. So I think that has definitely helped um, break down the, the barriers. But again, I think the more people are exposed um, to, to this situation, then the more people just get on with it and, and kind of look at us and think, well, you know, there's, there's nothing different going on here. Um, people can love who they want to love. And, and that's kind of the example that I guess uh, Robbie and I have set within our team. Um, and then, again, within our Olympic team as well. I know that, um, again, we've just been so lucky in terms of um, the New Zealand Olympic team's stance on, on inclusion and diversity and, and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think, again, I feel, I feel quite lucky to be in the situation that I'm in, but I know that there's a lot of work to be done um, in different different settings and different sports around the world. So if you cast yourself back as growing up and you said that there's a two of you openly gay in New Zealand, do you think you're having this role model, what you want to do now, what effect do you think it would have had on you, on you growing up? If I had a role model, as we have now, um, I think it would have been huge, to be honest. Um, yeah, I, as a young rower, I honestly, I felt like I was the only one. Um, and it wasn't until I met others um, in, in a position that I was, you know, internationally that it kind of opened my eyes. Um, and again, I think different sports are different again, because in, in various sports, it's this kind of, it's more prevalent, I guess you could say. It's funny. It's a funny topic to talk about. Um, so, it's definitely, again, yeah, I hope that, that having role models within our sport allows young rowers to, to have role models and to, um, you know, look at us and just feel confident in who they are and, and be happy in who they are. Um, I guess I probably would have loved to have had that when I was younger, but at the same time, I'm not sure that it would have necessarily changed uh, my process either. I think that's something that everyone deals with very differently and it's, it's only a journey that you kind of go on and, and there's a point in time where it's, um, you know, even from 23-year-old Emma to 33-year-old Emma, um, how I've dealt with telling various people and, and the point that I'm at now is is completely different to how I would kind of address who I was with um, 10 years ago. 
Olympian and world champion rower from New Zealand, Emma Twig, and what an inspiration she is and doing great work in the sporting world. What is it about, like, well, there's two things. New Zealand's always one, what seems to be one ahead of us yes. on anything to do with LGBTI issues. But uh, there seem to be way more women who are willing to come out in sport than mm. men. Wow. And there's still no, still no AFL player. We've got one soccer player, so, like, male soccer Hardy, player that's come Hardy, out, Josh yes. um, Cavallo. Yes. <clears throat> What's well, interesting question, isn't it? Because is it to do with the intimidating culture within male sport that you know the sort of the toxic masculinity that you know we've known from Josh's story in the press, uh, in the media. So is it to do with that there are just um, men are feeling more intimidated to keep quiet about their sexuality or is it there are just more women because gay men are just, I mean I certainly don't have positive experiences of a lot of mainstream team sports when I was young so I definitely had no intention of heading into that even though I was quite active did a range of sports. We always veered towards the individual sports. But isn't that interesting? Because Emma yeah. was really saying about the difference having a visible role model yes, would make absolutely. is so yeah. powerful. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, maybe there's a whole lot of and I only saw those gay and things. trans. Yeah, I saw those players. in, like, I did equestrian sports. I saw them in, you know, in in dance sport, these sorts of things where, you know, the presence has been much longer and has a longer history of being. And so, you know, I definitely think, yeah, you're right. There's a definitely, um, uh, all we need is a few more Josh Carellas out there and in various sports, but AFL will be the next, we, you know, we're we'll, waiting. We'll wait, we'll <laughs> wait, yes. Want to hear more? Find out about LGBT life in over 100 countries. Download free podcasts of this show, subscribe to iTunes, or follow us on Twitter. Visit joy.org.au slash worldwidewave. Gia Ditch, hello, this is Rosie Fagan speaking to you all the way from Belfast in Northern Ireland on World Wide Wave. Receive LGBT news from around the world throughout the week. Like World Wide Wave on Facebook now. A big celebration and pat on the back for our very strong women tonight on International Women's Day. Award-winning author and essayist Lauren Ho, Samoan Fafafine trailblazer Amal Leota Lu, and New Zealand Olympian and world champion rower Emma Twig. You can find the full podcasts of those interviews at joy.org.au slash worldwidewave or subscribe to Worldwide Wave on your favourite podcast platform. And everyone who's uh, communicated with us um, via Facebook, Peter Lears, Richard, Stephen, uh, Stefan, uh, sorry, and a whole heap more have joined us and interacted with us on Facebook this past week. That's W3Joy on Facebook. And, and our behind-the-scenes scenes, team, yes. our podcaster Peter and social media past, M- master Dean. Catch you next week on World Wide Wave. Thanks for listening to another podcast from World Wide Wave, the show that takes you around the globe one country at a time. Worldwide Wave is the international news and current affairs show on Australia's LGBT radio station Joy 94.9. You can listen live every Tuesday night on 94.9 FM in Melbourne and online at joy.org.au. You'll find all our podcasts at joy.org.au slash worldwidewave or follow us on Facebook for the latest international LGBT news 
Search W3Joy on Facebook now. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.